Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. It's good to see you all. Last week, my wife and I had a great time up in Port Carling, our first time in the Muskokas, and we enjoyed celebrating a wedding with some of our friends up there. And we took an extra day and went on a nice hike. I like hiking. And uh, Dr. Woolley did a great job delivering a message on good father, good son. Powerful. Full of the word of God full of the power of God, full of the Holy Spirit. So uh, today is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.12-15, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patient. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That last statement, always be what? Thankful. One more, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Amen. Amen. Time to go home. (laughs) Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, I started with Happy Thanksgiving because the culture is celebrating Thanksgiving this weekend, and we should celebrate thankfulness. But really, culturally, as Christ followers, any Christ followers in the room today? There's a few of you. (laughs) We live a life of Thanksgiving. Every day is Thanksgiving Day. Every day, we should be thankful. Every day, we should be looking to our Creator saying, thank you for all the good things that you've done for me. You know, I was thankful. I I haven't heard that song, To God Be the Glory, for a little while. But the truth is, isn't that the cry of every one of our lives? God, you get all the glory. I'll do whatever you want me to do, but you get all the glory, God. Isn't that how we live as Christians? Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to live and move and have our being in you. But you get all the glory because it's all about him. And any individual human that wants to take the glory that deserves, that God deserves, he doesn't share his glory with humans. That's one thing that's kind of untouchable. He gets all the glory, period. Some people want to take some of the glory. It doesn't work out so good for them. Are you thankful? Do you live a thankful life? I'm not even going to teach on this today. I mean as my main topic, but I wanted to exhort on it. But when's the last time you spoke out some of the things you're thankful for? 
<laughs> oh, when you were singing. <laughs> See, worship team, they got you there. They saved every one of you, you know. <laughs> I heard about a preacher who uh, gave some homework to his congregation, and he told them all to go home and read Mark 17. And the next week when they came back to church, he said, how many of you read Mark 17 last week? And I was, he was mystified at how many people raised their hands as he began to teach on lying. Mark 17 is right up there with the book of Hezekiah. True story, I was at a pastor's conference one time, and I asked them to open their Bibles to the book of Hezekiah, and I was mystified as like 30% of the people in the room started flipping through their Bibles, and I'm like, are you kidding me? There's a Hosea, not a Hezekiah. There was a person named Hezekiah, however. What are you thankful for? Have you verbalized it? In life, are you ungrateful more than you're grateful? Think about the last week. Did you have more things that you were not happy with than you were happy with? What did you focus on? Usually, often, what we focus on and the words coming out of our mouth are a reflection of what's happening in our heart. Are we looking inward at self? Are we looking outward at the world around us? God wants us to love people. Isn't that the great commandment? Love God, love people. Didn't Jesus tell us to go and tell others about the good news, the message of hope? Look outward. Let's stand up again, because I don't want you to get too comfortable. No falling asleep today. I want you to just take a minute and raise your hands to heavens. Forget about the people all around you. And thank your creator for the many blessings he's poured out upon us. This is something we should do daily, but let's just corporately today take a moment and start declaring our praise and our thanksgiving to our creator. Father, we thank you. Out loud, it's okay, no one's going to bite. Talk about the things you're thankful for. Jesus, you're so good to us. Thank you all. In about 20 seconds in, you're like, wow. I'm expecting a roar from the congregation because God, you're so good to us. Jesus, you went to the cross for us. You blessed us with health and life and we have our being in you. But let me pray right now. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, our desire together as a congregation is that you get all the glory. You get all the honor. You get all the praise. But Lord, we're thankful so much for the cross where Jesus changed everything. And we've talked about this many times. But Jesus changed everything for humans. He made a way for us to be in relationship with you. He purchased our healing. And Father, we thank you that we've received healing into our natural bodies right now. Because you're the healer. And wherever we're at in the receiving of that, and the manifestation of that, Father, we speak life right now over everyone. Father, you freed us from the curse. You freed us from poverty. You freed us from lack. You freed us from a wrong self-image. And we, by your presence and your grace, are able to come before you and lift up holy hands and offer thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. So, if I sound a little raspy, I'm fine. I just, once a year, I, well... For the last couple of years, I haven't done this, but I take like this thing called Aries. It's a little allergy medication that I take in the summertime just so I can breathe. 
and not sound like this all the time. <laughs> but I went off it um, this week, and I'm going to stay off it for the winter because I breathe better in the winter. I love the fall. I love the uh, colors, the trees, you know, the cold. Although there's this weird dynamic going on in our house right now. I got to tell you guys this, okay? There's this weird dynamic. And I, I am so thankful for my wife, who I love so much. But this year, something switched. Because I used to be the guy that liked it, you know, 66 in the house when I slept. Degrees Fahrenheit, you know. So I always lowered the thermostat at night, and I tried to keep it as low as she would let me during the day. And here's a, here's a tip for everyone. In marriage, you have to learn how to compromise. So for years, I leave the house warmer during the day, and then she allows me to have it colder at night. But something changed in the last year. <laughs> no, it's okay. My wife likes to sleep with the window open. And it was like cold last night. <laughs> and I love my wife and I love my bed and I thank Jesus that I have blankets. But I woke up this morning, true story, the first thing I told her is I think I need to get a sleeping hat because <laughs> I don't have any hair. My head was cold. So, now I have to wrangle that back and start talking about the lost. <laughs> How many know God is good? You're right, he is good all the time. In the context of the lost, and I'm going to try to talk to you about that for the next, I don't know, two or three minutes, hours, whatever it works out to. Okay, we have uh, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Now I'm going to start with a little bit of a, a little bit of a fun thing here. In Matthew 18:11, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, depending on what translation you go to, it may or may not be there. What? <laughs> Matthew 18:11, it may or may not be there. In the Amplified, it's in brackets. It says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Here's a fun fact, just to get us started today, because I wanted to make sure you were awake at 9.40 on October 9th. Matthew 18.11 has been heavily scrutinized by scholars for years. Okay? It doesn't appear in all of the manuscripts from which the Bible is translated, which is what creates some of the problem. You know our New Testament has over 22,000 manuscripts that we use? Just, just our New Testament, we have over 22,000 original manuscripts that they use in pieces and fragments and entire you know, books that they use to create what we would read here as English translation. I know some of you may read other versions or languages, but it was written in like Greek and translated into Latin in that day, and then people that are Greek scholars and Latin scholars study and they translate it into English so we can understand it. Because how many of you speak biblical Greek? One. 
and you studied a while to do that. Now, <clears throat> for fun, the discrepancy in this case, okay, because people say, oh, the Bible's been changed, or it's not accurate, it's been written. The truth is, the exact, near exact phrase is actually spoken by Christ in Luke 19.10. And we know when we look at studying the scriptures, if Jesus said it, it doesn't have to be there two, three, four, six times in the Bible, everywhere else you want it established by two or three witnesses. But the words of Jesus are the words of Jesus. They're the source of life. It's Jesus speaking. So it doesn't change any of our doctrine. It doesn't change any of our practice. It doesn't change any of our theory because the same text is there in the words of Christ. How are we doing? Okay. So if people want to start debating um, the Bible is inaccurate, it's a translation error, it's this, it's that, and here's most likely what happened. Scribes, which is how they used to make copies of Bibles before we had the printing press, okay? They would do an exact copy, and, and sometimes they would make a mistake, and they would insert it into the margin, or they would put other notes in the margin sometimes, right, if they caught it. So this was eventually found in the margin, and another scribe took it and put it in, and it seemed to go along with what Luke 19 said, so we're not sure if it was supposed to be there or not. The older documents don't have it, so that's why a lot of people say it may or may not be there. Okay? A scribal transcription controversy that is very minor. Don't let it throw you for a loop. Don't let people say, oh, see, Matthew 18, 11, it's not supposed to be there, and it's in your Bible, and your Bible's wrong. No, your Bible's good. Your Bible's good. God's going to reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you from the word of God that you have in your English translation. Okay? Don't get into the um, debates. Don't waste your energy. This version's more accurate than this version. You're right. Every version has its challenges. Okay? But I trust that when I read the Word of God, it's powerful and it's going to transform my life from the inside out. We doing okay? Okay. So the Son of Man came to save and seek and save those which was lost, or save that which was lost. Who are the lost? I was going to say, I hope you're not lost. <clears throat> I have one daughter who will remain unnamed. She has to use the GPS to drive from, to school every day. That concerns me, because if her phone goes down, I don't know how she's going to get anywhere. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of lost. There's a Greek word, and my Greek is always horrible, but it's apolemi. It simply means away from, or destroy, or perishing, a ruinous death, a miserable end. These are the lost. Humans who are away from God, humans who are on their way to destruction, humans who are perishing, humans are going to have a ruinous death, and humans who have a miserable end promised to them are the lost. We doing okay? So Jesus... He demonstrated his goodness because when he came to earth and lived among us as human, and then he died on a cross as a sacrificial lamb for humanity, okay, he made a way for humans who were lost on their way to destruction to be reconciled to God, and he paid the price of your sin debt with his own blood. His desire, everyone say God's desire is that no one, is that, you don't have to keep saying that, it's that no one should be a me. No one should be away from him. 
No one should have destruction, perishing, or ruinous death, a miserable end. God demonstrated his goodness to all people who were lost without help by making a free gift of salvation available by faith. And, and this is the ultimate act of goodness because Jesus came and died for people that he knew would reject the sacrifice. Jesus died for people that he knew were going to sin against him and transgress his law. Jesus died for people that he knew were going to be sinners. He knew some of those people would never come to the saving grace of Christ. But he still died. Romans 10 9 and 10, what a powerful verse. It goes in line with the one we read at the beginning, which I'm going to jump back to in a second, but it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Does it say if you walk around the back when we do water baptism that you'll be saved? Wait a minute. If you openly declare, what does openly declare mean? Out loud, not ashamed, I'm a Christian, okay? So it's not a private ceremony, it's a public declaration. And then if you believe in your heart, so there's a faith element, what? That God raised him from the dead. That has to do with the sacrifice at the cross, the going into the grave, the coming out of the grave, then you'll be saved. It's the work that Jesus did at the cross as a sacrifice for you that allows us to come to the place of salvation, And it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. So faith makes you right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. So there's this alignment that it's not just the faith, it's the open declaration. There's no such thing as a a closet Christian. You, You need to come out of the closet, Christians. If you're not living your faith out loud and openly, you're not living your faith. I want to go back. Because it says at that verse that they read for us at the beginning, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Foundationally, we know that God always deals with humans on the basis of covenant. It started with a covenant in the Garden of Eden with Adam. They call it the Adamic covenant. And then eventually it went to Moses' covenant with the law and the Ten Commandments. Okay. Then a guy named David came along. There was, there was some other ones in there, Abraham and, and different ones. But God always interacts with people based on the covenant that they're in with him. So in the old covenant, he interacted with them based on the terms of the old covenant. When Jesus came, he initiated the final covenant when he went to the cross. Essentially, the new covenant was birthed when he was sacrificed on the cross. And now we live in the new covenant. We look back at the old and we can learn things and we can see how there was this, some call it a scarlet thread woven through the entire old covenant that points to the coming of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. But see, at just the right time when we were helpless, Christ came and died for us. In the new covenant where we live today, that's how God interacts with us as humans. The terms of the new covenant, it's by faith, not of works, right? Faith and agreement within a public proclamation. That's the two things required for salvation. You believe in what he did and you declare it out loud. Okay. And with that, there's an assumption or a, a implication 
And, and some people don't like to hear this in North American church. Okay. So pay attention, North American church. There's an implication that faith without actions is useless. So if you really believe, you're going to take on the nature and the character of Christ. Because lots of people profess, but they don't take on the nature and character of Christ. They're fooling themselves. You're either all in for God or you're not in for God. You can go back about a month ago. I taught on being lukewarm. Okay, that's the people that aren't all in. We're either all in or we're not. Now, in the scriptures, and, and I got to try to bring this in, there's others that are mentioned at lost. There's another context for the word lost. And God is also good to this other group of lost people. And it's, it's not the ones who need to know Christ and come into relationship with Christ. But the truth is, all of us know people who are lost, that are perishing. Does anyone have a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker that is perishing? So you realize there is an assignment on your life to not only give thanks for them, but to pray for them and to actually live a Christian life first. Live a Christian life. Demonstrate how God has changed your heart and how you live differently. And then from there, what do we do? We open our mouth and we share the love of God with them. Now, I'm going to suggest to you, okay, if your employer is hiring you, okay, to run wheelbarrows of cement from the cement truck to wherever they're laying the foundation or whatever they're doing, when he's expecting you to do that and you're on the clock, it's probably not the best time to stop running that wheelbarrow of cement and preach to everybody. That's for free. You're not representing Christ well. You think you are, but you're not. Okay? There's other times that God will say, hey, we're sitting around on a break, let's have a conversation. Or after work, let's go have a coffee. Or let's go for a walk. Or let's go do whatever we're going to do. Do you see how this works? Okay. Now, I, for me, I talk to people all the time. And I wonder what's going on sometimes in their hearts. No, I'm not the judge, so that's good. God has to judge it. It's easier for him because he knows you better than you know you. But watch this, okay? If you do not have a love in your heart for people that are perishing, you need to ask yourself, am I really taking on the nature and the character of Christ? Because a natural byproduct of salvation is God puts his heart for the lost inside of us. And then we go and we love the lost. You know, and I could highlight 150 people in this room. Easy, for fun. But I'm just going to pick on one. You know, Nadine sang today, to God be the glory. Okay? Just as good as Andre Crouch. Maybe better. 
But you know what I know of Nadine? She has a compassionate, loving heart. And she loves people. And it doesn't matter what demographic you're in, what your socioeconomic status is. She just wants to go and love people. And she lives her life that way, which is why her and her husband work with evangelism and they take people out and they minister to others. And thank you all for bringing in your coats, by the way. There's a whole bin full of coats. It was great. If you didn't get a chance to bring a coat, you can always give to the Benevolence Fund. It's, it's, it's on the app. It's on the envelope. It's online. You can just give money to the Benevolence Fund, and then when people need help, and we can help them, if there's money in the fund, we give it to them. Just, just for free. I mean, for fun. For you. But see... When you demonstrate in your life that you're living a life that's concerned for the lost, it shows in everything that you do. And you have to ask yourself, am I living for me or am I living for him? Is my prayer, God, increase in me that I may decrease or is my prayer, God, I want it all? I don't need you. And everyone says, I don't pray that. I know you don't pray that, but you live accordingly. You live that. And that's where we get ourselves into trouble as Christians. So the other ones that are lost in the scripture, in Luke 15, there's three parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. They call him the prodigal. And I'm going to suggest to you that in all three of these parables, Jesus is referencing people that have fallen out of relationship with the father. Dun, dun. I see some blank looks on that. What do you mean? <laughs> the shepherd was not seeking new sheep to bring into the sheepfold. He lost one, so he went looking for him. He lost his way. The sheep that fell off the path is the one the shepherd went and gently steered back. He left the 99 to go and seek the one. The woman with the coins she had all 10 silver coins in her possession and she lost one. Has anyone ever lost something? Some of you are like, I lost my mind and I'm still looking for it. <laughs> That's why I say all the time, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. You know, she lost one of her coins, so she tore the house apart looking for it. You ever tear the house apart looking for something? My wife and I have this arrangement. There's some things she's good at and there's some things I'm good at. She'll, I'll be looking for something. She'll say, oh, I saw it there. And other times she'll say, I'm looking for something and I'll say, I saw it there. And it's the rare time that neither of us know where it's at. <laughs> but then we have these lovely little girls that take things from where we think they're supposed to be and they put them in other places. <laughs> so then we have to start in, did you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's in my backpack. Oh, good place for it. <laughs> but see, the woman with the coins had all 10 in her possession. They were hers. They were in relationship with her, and she lost one. And then the prodigal, the son of the father, he walked away from his relationship and standing with the father. Did he not? Have you never read Luke 15? Okay. Your assignment, go read Luke 15. It's really there. It's not a trick. <laughs> I'm not going to talk online next week either. You're on your honor. Okay. But Jeremiah 
Return, O faithless children of the 12 tribes, says the Lord, for I am a master and husband to you. And I will take you not as a nation, but individually from one city and one from a city and two from a tribal family and bring you to Zion. There's this concept that we hear about that God's married to the backslider. That's where they get that concept from. The people that walk away from him, he still loves them. But it also means that people can walk away from Christ. And they do. Okay. And, and that's a dangerous place to be because now you've had knowledge of truth, relationship with Christ, and you've walked away from that. I think that's why there's multiple levels in hell. Because the more knowledge you have, the greater accountability that you have. And, and see, have you read through the book of Hosea? There's a book. Um, some of the people here have read it by that lady. Um, Thank you. Francine Rivers, it's called Redeeming Love, and it's an allegory of the book of Hosea. I've never read it. It's an allegory of the book of Hosea. And it's a picture like God was trying to give Israel a picture. And basically, Hosea married a lady who was a prostitute, and then she kept going back, and he kept taking her back, just like God keeps taking us back when we walk away from him. Which leads me to something that I want to talk about for a second. John 16, 8 and 9. Lots of of fun stuff in here for you guys today. And when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit is the context of this. He will convict the world of its sin. Who convicts people of sin? Wives, are you supposed to convict your husband of sin? Husbands, are you supposed to convict your wife of sin? I've heard people say the Holy Spirit wears lipstick. I think the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people of sin. Because that's what Jesus says. He will convict the world of its sin. He doesn't need any help. The truth is when you sin, how many know you sinned? That's not enough hands. I'm very concerned now. Maybe I should be talking about the reprobate. That's another part of Romans, but that's a different conversation. When you mess up, you know you've messed up, don't you? Because the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Now, the idea is people tend to condemn you of sin and want you to stay there and be punished. You're going to pay. When he comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And then he makes this wild statement, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So what's the sin of the world? Unbelief. Unbelief is the greatest challenge for the world. It's the greatest challenge for the church. Because if you don't believe that Jesus died for you, you cannot access salvation. That, my friends, is the sin that cannot be forgiven. Okay, people stress about this. People stay up all night. People come, Pastor, did I commit the incompatible sin? Did I? And I'm like, if you're asking me the question, the answer is no. Because if you did, you wouldn't care. Okay, but, but see, there's this idea of the sin that can't be forgiven is really unbelief in the sacrifice of Christ. If you don't believe Jesus died for you, you don't believe Jesus was your sacrifice, 
you're never going to access the salvation that was available to you. So when you stand before him, he's going to say, what did you do with the sacrifice of my son? And say, well, I didn't access it. Eh, depart from me. There is grieving the spirit. There is, there, there is people offend God. They, hurt, they, they, they grieve the spirit of God and his presence lifts. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's only one sin that can't be forgiven. That's unbelief. See, this concept of sin that cannot be forgiven has to do with the inability to repent and turn from sin. Esau was one who did that, right? Esau, he couldn't find repentance in his heart. So therefore, there was no forgiveness available to him. When people deny the person and the work of Christ in this life, they're not going to receive forgiveness in the next or mercy. The response to Christ's sacrifice, and this is what I want you to get to. I'm trying to get to, okay? How we respond to Christ's sacrifice is repentance and corresponding behavior in that direction, which means we start taking on the nature and character of Christ and let that process of sanctification start happening inside of our life day in, day out, every day for the rest of your life. And the second you think you've arrived and you don't need to be sanctified anymore. I'm going to trade places and I'm going to learn from you because I'm not there yet. You've been doing this a long time, haven't you, Rita? Many years. A few years more than me. Yes. Are you there yet? No. Not quite there yet? A little further along than I am, but not quite there yet. Goodness, we sang a song today that came out before I was born. I don't get to say that too often anymore. <laughs> Wasn't that Andre Crouch with Billy Graham in 1971? 72. <laughs> First Timothy 2, 16. Ah, uh, 2, 1 to 6, sorry. Like I can read. I urge you, first of all, Pray for all people. Who are we supposed to pray for? Ask God to help them. So that means you have an obligation to pray for everybody and ask God to help them. We intercede on their behalf. That means people that are struggling, we jump in and we stand in the way. I'm not going to get into that, but we, we, we pray and become a buffer for them. And I, I give thanks for them. What's it say to do? Okay, so the context is pray for all people, and then it goes on and says, not only should we pray for them, we should give thanks for them. Even the people you don't like. Because somehow in that process, God is taking the people you don't like and bringing something out inside of your life. Okay? Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. That means we pray for our governments. I will suggest to you there's an election coming up locally. As Christians, you need to vote. And you should vote prayerfully. Did everyone hear me say that? Prayerfully. And we vote for righteousness. As much as lies within you, find candidates who are righteous. And if there's none, then pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Okay. Righteousness. Righteousness lifts up a nation. You want the economy to go well? You vote for righteous people. It doesn't matter what their plan is because the plan's a man. Well, how are we doing? 
okay? Then it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants how many people to be saved? Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So not just salvation, but they want understanding, understanding the knowledge and the application of truth. Then, for there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So God contextually wants everyone to be saved, does he not? We just read that. He wants everyone to be saved. And he wants us to pray for everyone. Jesus gave up his life for the lost. So whether they're lost without him or whether they were in relationship with him and they fell out of relationship with him, Jesus wants everyone to come back into covenant with him. Okay? He gave his life for that. He was willing to go all the way to death and the grave, and he carried the sin and the weight of humanity's disobedience on, on himself because he loved you so much and he demonstrated his goodness that even when you weren't looking for him, he found you. And the truth is, not a single one of you in the room found Jesus. He found you. It's a cute song. Okay? God demonstrated his goodness to sinners even before they were born. In fact, everyone in this room, I would say safely at least 40 generations before you were born, conceived, thought of, imagined, dreamed of. Can anyone trace their family tree back that far? 40 generations? Uh, if you guys know Pastor Brian, I think Lynn can. <laughs> she can go back quite a ways, Lynn Danter. But the truth is, knowing that you were going to sin and break his law, he still died for you. He made a way for us who live in the new covenant before we were seeking him, he was seeking us. He made provision for you before you even had a need. Did you catch that? Before... You even broke his law. He already made a way for you to be free from the consequences of your sin. He was seeking you. Can everyone stand up with me now? You know, in Matthew 4.19, when Jesus was calling some of the disciples, he makes a statement. He said, I will show you how to fish for people. They were fishermen. They knew how to catch fish. Even then, there's a really funny story where they fished all night and couldn't catch anything. And Jesus is like, yeah, throw your net over here. And they're like, um, excuse me, you're the rabbi, we're the, we're the fishermen? <laughs> then the boat sank, almost sank. Everyone just look within for a minute. Because I want to ask you today, 2022, Sunday, October 9th, about 10 after 10 in the morning, in your heart, is there a love for the lost? Does your heart beat for the lost like God's heart does? Do you have a desire to see all men saved? Do you spend time daily thanking God for what he's done? Do you spend time daily praying for people that need to know him? Praying that they're going to encounter his love and his goodness like you did one day. Do you spend time sharing the love of God with others? Are we too concerned about ourselves? And there's a principle even in giving. In giving, 
How you handle the little is how you will handle much. With the lost, how you love others is, you know, no matter where you're at. Too many people think they have to come to perfection or get cleaned up before they can love others. You can love people right where you're at. You can love people right while God's working things out in your life. Because he's always going to be working things out in your life. So I want to do a call today. If you need a renewal in your love for the lost, whether it's for the backslidden, the broken, those that have never known Christ, maybe that's not on your, maybe you didn't even know you were supposed to pray for them. Love people, share the love of God with others. I'm not sure how you can attend here for any period of time and not know that, but the truth is, maybe you don't. But God has called you to take the light he's placed within you and to share it with others. He's called you to love people in all walks of life. The rich, the poor, and everyone in between. The people that like Jesus and are serving him and the people that don't. The people that are struggling and have walked away from him. If you want a renewed love for the lost, or maybe you just want to say, God, I haven't put the lost up on the forefront You're welcome to come down to the front and take communion with us today. Bring your elements down and come down to the front. I just want to pray. And you can just, don't worry about the people around you. I always say, if the shoe fits, put it on. You know, if the altar call fits, don't, don't put it aside. And uh, my eyes are closed. I'm not even really paying attention. I'm just listening. But as we come to the table today, you need to ask yourself, when's the last time I shared the love of God with someone else? Someone else? When's the last time I prayed for the lost? If it's not fairly recent, you probably should be down here because your eyes are looking at something else. Father, today as we come to the table, the bread in our hand, and as it is broken, just like your body was broken. Lord, we are grateful to you because you made a way for us to know you. You transformed us from the inside out and you saved us from a life of sin and shame. And Lord, you're working things out inside of us even as we speak and you're healing us. You're setting us free from glory to glory from day to day. Help us, Lord, to not just take but help us also to give, help us to serve. Jesus came to serve humanity and as our example, as Christ followers, we choose to serve you. God, renew every heart. If the lost hasn't been first and foremost, if people put the lost on the back burner or don't care, let them fend for themselves. Lord, I thank you that you're transforming our hearts right now and giving us a love for others, a love for the lost a love for those who are perishing like you love those who are perishing. Renew, God. Breathe fresh life. Stir within us that passion to pray and to intercede for others like your word says and help us to remain thankful. In Jesus' name.
And Lord, the cup where Jesus spilled his blood for us, the blood of the new covenant that we get to live in today, free from shame, free from sin. Lord, as we have released others, I thank you that you release us. Father, I thank you that you're speaking truth to hearts right now. There's much misunderstanding on that, even here today. But Lord, I declare your goodness was revealed to us through the blood of Jesus at the cross. And you, even when we didn't know you, you loved us and you died for us. You call us by name. Today, Father, help us to understand that our identity is in you that you made us, you created us, you called us, you gifted us, and now through obedience, we, your people, will love others. Help us to love them without expectation, but simply just to love others, not expecting anything in return. And Lord, today, rekindle our passion and our flame for you. I sense that there's many that their flame has grown dim. Their flame is down low. The heart for you that once burned bright is diminished. So Lord, we set aside the cares of this world, the anxieties, the fears, the stressors, and we focus on you. And I ask you, Lord, to rekindle our love. And we'll be doing our part to pray, spend time in your word. But Lord, I thank you that you set the captives free right now in the name of Jesus. And help us, Lord, to impact our city and our nation and ultimately the nations of the world by loving others. And we know it's your goodness that leads people to repentance. Because if they only knew how good you are, we can tell them that. We can share that with them. So help us to do that with all the grace that you've given us. In Jesus' name. Wow, what a good Thanksgiving reminder. I have a picture in my mind, a glass of milk, and you pour the chocolate syrup in it. You have to stir it up. And we've been stirred up today. I have another picture. Pastor RJ is our bodybuilder. He trains us and shows us and equips us how to be the children of God. Because we're here for a reason. We are to bring heaven to earth. We have heaven in us every place we go. Oh, what a good Thanksgiving message. Now we have a response because WCF, we've been equipped and your answer is? You are the church. Go spread it around. Stir up the gift, that zeal. Stir it up so that it overflows and splashes on everyone around you. Have a great day.